Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Bob Stoffer, Rogers Place, Oilers' uh, second group hit the ice around noon. They're sliding over to the downtown community arena as we speak. Second era of Oilers now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. I do want to tell you that we've got an Oilers road trip coming up uh, in November to New York City. A chance to see the Oilers play the Rangers and the Islanders, plus an opportunity to watch uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. This uh, New York package includes airfare, five nights in a deluxe hotel in Times Square, lower bowl game tickets. We'll have a welcome reception with yours truly and special guests. Uh, last year, we had Ken Hall and Jay Woodcroft and Paul Coffey show up in Smashville. For the Oilers Now Hockey Tour, you can reach out to New West Travel at newwesttravel.com. And guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan and Chris that Oilers Now sent you. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, the River Cree Resort Casino Excitement. Bet on it. And we welcome back to the show Washington Capitals color analyst and Edmonton area product, Al May. Hi, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. Good to be with you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, lots of news out of Washington. We'll get to the specifics of that in a second. Uh, but, uh, man, training camp has changed from your day, hasn't it? And very much so. I think I'd be in about eight fights by now. So it's... Uh, it, 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 and I think it's for the better now that it, it's... It doesn't make sense to bring in all these players and you have a gladiator warfare before you even play an exhibition game or have a real practice. So uh, it's done so much better now. And I think now that we're in an era where every player is in shape and you're not having older guys show up with a, a tire around their belly at about 30 pounds heavy and trying to cut weight over the course of a month. Uh, it's a lot better, and you get right at it. Well, you, like, look, uh, and I know you've told the story on the show before, but it's appropriate because it was in Boys in the Bus. You actually were the very guy that participated in one of those gladiator-like uh, experiences with Kevin McClellan back in the day when you showed up at Oilers training camp. And back then, like, it was like a five-week training camp, wasn't it? Or at least... Uh, uh, well, well, there were no, there were no rules on how long you could be at the rink back then, and I know the year before when I was at Boston, it's like every day was an eight-hour day. He'd be on the ice about three hours, and now I think you can only be at the rink for three hours on those days. But uh, my first training camp in Boston wasn't like that. I, I think the first scrimmage is then when you practice with the team and all the players. You know, there there were no fights, and when I got to Edmonton. The incident with McClellan had nothing to do with me, and I don't think there were any other fights that I wasn't a participant in in that training camp. So, and that wasn't even that was supposed to be a practice. 
it wasn't even a scrimmage yet, so it was really ridiculous when you look back at it. And people would probably think you're crazy nowadays. If you saw the new viewer and the people that hate uh, anything to do with dropping your gloves, they would be absolutely disgusted by what went down that morning. Yeah, and yet, what'd you end up fighting him? He jumped you the first time, and you fought, you fought him straight up a couple other, like you fought like three times, didn't you, in a span of about an hour? Uh, I think, no, it, it, believe me, it, it took about 15 minutes for all of this to unfold. Wow. And the the first part was just to skate around. But basically, when any level of hockey, when you first get on the ice for a practice, you just step on the ice. You don't race out like you're going out for a game. You, you just kind of skate around the ice. You, 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 know, you just feel your edges a little bit. You toss a puck in that. You flip the puck around. And he just skated up to me and said, hey, Al. And I turned, and he sucker punched me. So that was the start of my morning. Not a very good first day of, and first five minutes of Edmonton Oilers training camp. Yeah, that was a long time ago. You told the story often. All right. So yeah. so uh, we are in a different place. We're at a different time. Uh, there, we, we just had Elliot on the show. There's obviously a fair amount of excitement out of the Edmonton Oilers uh, camp. Um, we were just in the rookie tournament. I know you and me had spoken. Dylan Holloway had, and granted, he was 20 in the past, you know, uh, Hall was 18, Nugent Hopkins was 18, uh, Drysettle 18 and 19 in that tournament, McDavid 18. I don't know if you can read too much in the tournaments, but it can't hurt Dylan Holloway's cause to have performed on a level where he's head and shoulders the most complete player in an entire tournament on the team's best team. The Oilers had a skill advantage over the other teams that were in that tournament at Penticton. That's got to help them, does, don't you think? I certainly think it does. And the uh, the things that happen and what, what you start to see, and you look at it through a general manager or a coach's eyes, even a veteran player, when when these players are have participated in a few of them and they're younger, but what, what you see is I saw Arkeen Anisimov, who uh, was about his fifth one with the New York Rangers. Uh, was he with the New York? Yeah, he was with the Rangers. He was with back. the Rangers, yes. And was the, yeah, and was with the Traverse City Tournament where there's eight teams. And I just thought it, I, I loved how hard he worked and that he was making plays and he was playing with confidence. And I was telling the guys, that guy's an NHL player, and everyone kind of scoffed at me. He's a pretty damn good NHL player, but there was a work ethic there as well. And I saw it with uh, a couple guys at the Dallas Stars that had been there a bunch of times, and they turned into pretty good hockey players. So when I look at you know these players, once they start to – to, to go into those and worry about just not worry about fitting in. They just feel like they belong there. They're closer to being an NHL player. And the, the biggest thing is most guys have about the same skill level. You know, McDavid's not fair. Kale McCarr, they're not fair. That's not normal. But when you go into these and you play with confidence, and you, when you have confidence in yourself that you can go out and play, when you're not second-guessing and ju- judging or doubting yourself or – getting upset if you make a misplay, basically you get to the point where you make a mistake and it's big deal, I won't do it again. And that's what you want to see out of these younger players as they go into these camps, whether it's you know two, three, four, five times, you want to see them at some point grow up, mature, develop, and feel like they are close and ready to be an NHL player. Yeah, I know that in Anisimov's case, he was the only player in the American Hockey League in top 10 in scoring one year that was under the age of 21 or 22 at the time, and that was the time that Sheldon Surrey was made available out there. And I remember talking to some people high up, I'm like, hey, man, that's the guy you got to go get for Surrey. Now, ultimately, the Oilers 
weren't able to make it happen. There were some challenges with Sheldon uh, towards the end of his career, some injury issues that came up. But uh, I like Denisimov, too. All right, Washington Capitals, a team that you cover on a day-to-day basis. And we have a lot of Caps fans that grew up being big fans of Ovechkin. Listen Oilers now. Al May joining us. Al, they've had a, a lot of injury updates over the last 24 to 48 hours, haven't they? Yeah, they have, but it, it's just, you know, nothing that's a surprise. And, you know, to me, everything that's gone on with them, uh, it, you just make it official. Like, you see all the players that are going on to long-term IR right now. They're saying that aren't going to play this season. And I forget who had the dump of three players the other day that came out and said they aren't going to be playing this year. The Ryan Ellis news yesterday. So there's been no real surprises in Washington as to what's gone on. I guess the biggest thing is, you know, Backstrom is healthy as a human being, but as a hockey player, I don't know how close he is ready to play. And he's got they've got $9.2 million hung up in him. So he's kind of a, a situation that uh, as the year goes on, he may force them to make some decisions if he's able to come back and play. And, and, and if not, they can make some other decisions with the extra money that they're going to have lying around. What's going on with Wilson? What's going on with Haglin? Well, Haglin, I know, still has some difficulties with his eyes, and he may have to have a lower body surgery. And then Tom Wilson, uh, his knee is ahead of schedule. Everyone knows that that was an ACL, and he's ahead of schedule. But I, I'd expect that. He's the fittest player on the team. He's a monster. But I've said this before on your show, uh, all players lie about their injuries, about where they are, and they push too hard. And when you're younger, uh, you make a lot of mistakes at where you're evaluating how good you feel, and it's better off. I would rather take my time with Tom and, and make sure that there's no tenderness, there's no swelling whatsoever, and that he, he's more. He's not. He's not 95%. He's got to be 100%. And uh, once he comes back, you have to go and throw him right into the fire. So you don't want you don't want to take a chance with that because he is such a valuable piece of that hockey team. Al, you watched Barry Trotz coach the Washington Capitals to a Stanley Cup. Then he went to the Islanders and got them five rounds of the playoffs over the next couple of years. So here's where I'm going to go with this. I, I mean, they lost to Tampa Bay. There's no nothing wrong with losing Tampa Bay. They had the the move into the new building last year. Then they got ravaged by COVID. Could barely lose the team. Are the New York Islanders the most likely of the teams in the Eastern Conference to work their way back into the playoff mix that we're on the outside looking in? You watch the East all the time. Could they be the team, or has Ottawa done enough to improve their squad? Who do you think is the best team to work their way uh, back in? Because there was pretty clear eight good teams, eight not-so-good teams last year in the Eastern Conference. Well, I, I don't think Ottawa is going to make the playoffs unless they change you know, the majority of their defensemen. And they're they're not there yet. Their forward lines very impressive. Young guys, they've still got to learn how to be better without the puck. But the back end, and and that that'll be a question mark. You know how good the defensemen? How can they protect their goaltender so their goaltender can play with confidence? But you go to the New York Islanders. I think Barry over rotated once again way too much defensive hockey. The year the Caps won the Cup, he kind of threw everything in the air, and he started doing things different. Uh, the players wanted a different defensive system. They did it in March, and then they perfected it around uh, just April 1st or so. Was they went into Pittsburgh and just crushed the Penguins, and they were a completely different team after that. And then, you know, they have the offense. 
So I look at the Islanders. They still have a lot of really good hockey players. They've got a lot of good-looking defensemen, excellent goaltending, great veterans. they got a, a lot of guys that can actually score goals. You know, they don't have a 50. Uh, they don't have really a 40, but they've got guys who can put in 30, 30 goals, you know, past a goaltender. So I think with Lane Lambert, I, I think he's going to open up the offense and not just stick to the defensive part of the game. So I think everyone's got to be on notice for them. Uh, I expect them to, to be a, a quicker team, not so over-rotational to just playing defense and trying to win the perfect game because that gets exhausting over the course of a season just to play defense 82 games, especially now when you can't cheat like the old New Jersey Devils used to do. They used to hook and hold and play the trap, and no one understood how to beat it. But there were so many parts of the game, the obstruction part, that enabled them to be able to play that style all season long. And I think if you just go backwards all game, if you skate backwards, you're going to end up with a lot of injuries, too much time in your zone, more shots that are hitting your players. Uh, and it's always harder to play in your own zone than anywhere else. And I expect Lane Lambert to open that team up, give Matthew Barzell, Take the take the handcuffs off of him and let him go. He's such a talented player. Uh, he should be a point of game guy no matter what, and whoever he's playing with should be a point of game guy. So I, I think there's a lot of good things that can happen there, and Lane won't be afraid to use young players because he's really actually, when he is an assistant coach and a coach in the minors, he was a great developer of players. And a lot of guys say they are, but they are not. It just sounds good in an interview. Blaine is actually a great developer of young players. All right. Uh, one final one for you, because we know you keep your eye on the Edmonton Oilers. You are from here. Uh, Al May, friend of the show, joining us in Oilers now. Bob Stoffer with you. Al, the Battle of Alberta, you know, we just had Elliot on. You know, he thinks it's going to be between the Oilers and the Flames for top spot in the Pacific. They met in the, basically the Pacific Division final last year. The Oilers won in five. There is some concern from some of our fan base Bob, the Flames are way tougher. They bring Richie back. They got Rooney uh, at center. They could go Lucic, Rooney, and Richie. Is this an area of concern for the Edmonton Oilers against Calgary? What do you think, Al? Not at all. You don't have to worry. Like, certainly, I wouldn't worry about Rooney what so much. Uh, Lucic, I-, I love the way he's played for the Flames, and, and I-, I think it's been great. Daryl Sutter's been really good for him. But I don't think you have to worry about that part of the game all the time. And the Oilers have a lot of really good hockey players, and you have to decide what type of team do you want to be. Do you just want to worry about the Calgary Flames the three times you play them this year? Or or you want to worry about the entire body of work over 82 games? So I wouldn't get caught up with the Flames uh, and worrying about what you have and what you don't have. And, you know, I don't know how many people are really scared of Brett Ritchie. You know, he had 29 penalty minutes last year. Not the quickest, not the fastest skater. and You know, he'll, he'll drop the gloves, but what did he have one or two fights last year? So I don't think you have to worry about that as much anymore. And, and it's about having all your guys gather together. And, and if it does become a problem, it, it's easy to go out there and look. But there's not, a, there's not that many guys out there, but I, I'm sure you could pull someone out of the minor leagues. And if, if you just want to play that style of hockey, which I think takes away from what the goal is, the goal is should be what, to win the game and not win the fights or, or the toughness battle in the newspaper in the Battle of Alberta. Awesome stuff, Al. Love having you on the show. Thanks for your time. 
Talk to you soon, Bob. You bet. That is Alan May, who willed himself to an NHL career. Longtime uh, analyst of the Washington Capitals broadcast. You can text us at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted. Ashley Fine Floors is at 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. Quickly going to dip into the Oilers now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. Trent Brown. I don't know. Is he going to be at the Golden Bears game tonight? Of course, he's a two-time CFL All-Star at safety. Uh, won a great cup with the then-named Edmonton Eskimos back in 1993. James H. Brown, lawyers, injury lawyers, they're the best. Over 250 years of experience, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. And uh, Vincent DeHarnay not expected to be on the ice for another couple of weeks. He's a right shot. Cody Cece, a right shot day-to-day, could be off the ice for a couple more days. Slater Cuckoo has taken a personal leave. That's on the defense side up front. We've not seen uh, Raphael Lavoie uh, since uh, late last season in the American Hockey League uh, as well. Carter Savoy out. To get, he's getting an MRI and Ty Tulio. So it's a quick update for you on the Oilers injury front. We'll take a time out and come back and get some explanation as to how Edmonton's going to make the math work when we return with Hart Levine from uh, Puckpedia. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 124. We got about so we'll do six quick minutes. We're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. Pleased to be joined by Puckpedia's Hart Levine for the second time this week. Hart, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Good. Thanks for squeezing us in. You called it. You said you said seven hundred ninety-eight thousand or eight hundred and twelve on. Um, Ryan McLeod on his contract. How did you know what the exact number was going to be on Monday? Well, I guess I'm good at puzzles. It's just a puzzle of trying to get the numbers right, the combination of players, so that they could be, so they could exceed the cap by six point three six seven million, which is Clefbaum plus Smith. That's the most that they can exceed the cap. And if they if they exceeded it by less than that, that space is lost for the year. So I mean, it's they they want to maximize it, and also they're obviously trying to pay McLeod as much as they could. So the the. Um, 798 number assumes that they, the 12th forward is going to be a guy making 762, which is like a Malone or a McKegg. Um, they could have gone up to 810 if that 12th forward was going to be a guy like Benson um, for the opening roster, obviously. Um, yeah, you can kind of see which way they're leaning for at least that opening roster submission. So, yeah, just it's about putting the puzzle pieces together. So I, the question I got from some of the listeners is, why did, uh, why did McLeod end up doing a deal that was less than his qualifying offer? You want to explain that? Well, a couple of things. 
things. One, the qualifying offer is expired, so he can't just decide to take it now. Um, and at the time, they were negotiating in good faith on a two- or three-year deal, um, you know, because I think the Oilers are trying to make space to, to get him. Um, and the other thing, I mean, I guess it's probably relevant because it's not like he would go on waivers, but his qualifying offer would have been a two-way deal, um, whereas this is obviously a one-way deal. But, again, I don't, I don't think he'd clear waivers, so it's kind of irrelevant. No but I think it's just a matter of, at the time, they were trying to get a longer chill, uh, a longer term deal done. So, you know, they let the qualifying offer um, expire and worked on it. But really, I mean, you're talking, you know, a, a few thousand dollars difference. Um, and that's, you know, when you take out escrow and agent fees and stuff, I don't think he like took much of a haircut. Um, so you might as well, you know, maybe kind of an IOU with Ken Holland now instead. Right? You just nailed it. Uh, Puckpedia is Hart Levine. Hart, uh, let's face it, he took a, he gave the orders a bit of a break and there's probably going to be a make good in the next deal. Does that kind of make the most sense? Well, I mean, I think in any negotiation, like he, uh, having some goodwill is, is a good thing, right? So, what, what were his options, right? They like they don't have the cap space. So, if he thought he should be getting what nine hundred thousand, so he's going to hold out over, over out during camp, force them to try and make some trade, so he can make an extra hundred thousand dollars. I mean, sure, but what does that mean for his next contract? I mean, I think even if it's like not a specific dollar amount that Ken Holland kind of owes him, it's still like there's, there's there's some goodwill he worked with them, and I don't think that I think on the next deal, Ken Holland and his agent, Joe Resnick, they know that Holland's not going to try and squeeze him like for the absolute last dollar. Maybe he gives a little bit and he gets, you know, an extra couple percent more, um, uh, you know, than if this hadn't happened. And I think just like any deal, they're going to keep negotiating deals for the next several years. So might as well, um, you know, move on and, and have a little bit of an IOU. All right. You've discussed this a lot. I know you provided the numbers right after the contract was signed for Ryan McLeod. We're joined by Puckpedia's Hart Levine, Bob Stoffert, Rogers Place. So what are the Oilers' options now, especially given the fact that we all know that Broberg's going to be on the team to start the year, at least it appears to be that case, and Dylan Holloway's flying around in training camp just like he was out in the rookie tournament. I mean, they're going to want to have those two guys uh, on the active roster to start the season. Why? Why is that the case? Players that have performance bonuses when you're in LTIR, um, the amount of performance bonuses you have on that opening roster submission goes in a performance bonus pool. And at some point later in the season, if you have players on the roster with more performance bonuses that you have in that pool, the difference um, comes out as an extra cap hit. So the kind of short way of thinking about it is basically if you don't have um, guys on the roster with their performance bonuses when you submit the opening roster, if you want to call them up later, that's going to get added to their cap hit. So a guy like Holloway, you know, he's a $925,000 cap hit, um, and if he's on the opening roster, that's what he's going to cost all season. If he wasn't on the opening roster and you tried to call him up later, then you wouldn't have room for those bonuses, and he's going to be a $1.44 million cap hit. So that's basically the kind of short way of thinking about it is if, if you don't have um, those bonuses on the opening roster, then they're going to be taken out of your cap when, when you try to call him up later. Um, so that means like a guy like Borgo, for example, like if they were to call him up later, he's going to cost more than his – Right, cap it. Those bonuses are going to get added. But I mean, you know, they, they can't fit everybody into this opening roster submission. So that's you know. But the guys that you know are going to be on the roster, you got to have room for those bonuses. Twenty seconds or less. How do I get cap compliant? What are the? There's really one strategy that's going to work here if they have both Holloway and Broberg active. 
Yeah, I think we saw McLeod at 798. So that tells me Samarukov and Shore are going down. And then one guy making more than 1.125 is going down. So whether that's Ryan, Yanmark, I guess maybe a Fogel. But it's one of those guys making an over 1.125. And then Samarukov and Shore. And that's how they get compliance and submit the opening roster. Hart, great stuff. How do people follow you? Um, on Twitter, at Puckpedia and the website, Puckpedia.com. Thanks for squeezing us in today, Hart. Thanks, appreciate it. You bet. That is Hart Levine from Puckpedia. It is 129 in Edmonton. Uh, we will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Still to come this day in Oilers history and Alberta Golden Bears head coach and former Edmonton Oilers player and coach Ian Herbers.